Welcome back to another episode of The Credential Report. I'm your host, Michael Mulford, Mavs editor at Dallas Sports Fanatic. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Selena Sixtos, Wings editor, and Corey Douglas, Mavs and Cowboys staff writer. Corey, Selena, what's up, guys? What's up, everybody? You know, it's a, it's an interesting Tuesday in Dallas, uh, to say the least. You know, we've had plenty of, you know, we've had our handful of, of losses for the Cowboys so far, but this one just feels feels a little different. Yeah, I mean, just considering that this particular game was a statement game, this is where everybody was watching, where everybody was going to say, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys were a joke, or yeah, they were overrated. And they just went out there and proved everybody right. It was, you hate to see it. You hate to see it, but that's what that's what happened. And it was a pathetic performance by most of the players, which we'll get to that shortly. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's just a wasted opportunity. Um, I feel like they had, you know, they fell behind another slow start um, that they got off to, but they battled back, got back in the game and put themselves in position to win. And I think they managed the end of the game as bad as I've ever seen a team manage at the end of a game um, to um, basically uh, cement the loss. So uh, I think there's a lot of questions that come out of this game. And uh, I'm looking forward to discussing this throughout the show. Yeah, so Vikings 28, Cowboys 24. Um, you know, it was a close game throughout. Um, Vikings got out to a 14-0 uh, fast start, but Cowboys picked it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can just jump into it. That that last drive, you know, this is what everyone's been talking about. You know, that that final drive by the Cowboys. Some really questionable calls by Garrett and the offense. You know, those those two run plays on second and third down. You know, inside the ten. Um, you know. Zeke was 20 carries for 47 yards. His longest carry was six yards. I mean, the Vikings were stopping him in his tracks. And, you know, the O-line was a little banged up. Connor Williams went out. Um, it just it just didn't make sense. You know, Dak had one, maybe, you know, arguably the best game of his career. You know, 397 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he was dicing him up. And, you know, Cooper was great. 11 catches, 147 and a touchdown. Cobb had over 100 yards and a touchdown. He actually had a touchdown that stood. Right, for a yeah. Change. It's just, man, and it just didn't make sense. Why Why don't you put the ball in your best player's hands, which is Dak? Yeah, and I think um, just going to the, the second and third down play, um, I – I've heard a lot of talk, you know, about, well, I can I can live with the second down run, but the third down run, definitely not. And for me personally, I can't live with either one of them. Um, the way Dak was dicing up the Vikings defense on that last drive, um, you know, he was 6 of 8, 79 yards until they got to that point. I'm putting the ball in Dak's hands four times in that situation. And, okay, if we don't execute on those four downs with the ball in Dak's hands, okay, I can live with that result because we put the ball in our best player's hands. But to take it out of his hands twice, and then on the the fourth down play, you go you throw the ball to Zeke 
when I mean, there's nothing that said in that game that you need to take the ball out of Dak's hands and give it to Zeke. Nothing throughout the entire game said that. And it was just, I mean, it just it's unacceptable to me um, on the coaching's part, whether it's Kellen Moore or uh, as Garrett would place blame or if it's Garrett or just the entire offensive staff, I mean, definitely should be in question after that. Watching that game, I immediately, like, it was obvious. Like, as soon as that game was over, Jason Garrett's head was going to be put on a spike by Cowboys Twitter. And they went after him. I'm still seeing tweets. People just pissed at Garrett. And, of course, hashtag fire Garrett is still out there. But then he made it worse post-game. And I'll quote him. You want to attack different ways, head coach Jason Garrett said. It's important for us to continue to try and run the ball. In normal circumstances, you would think if we give it to Zeke a couple of times, a second and inside of two yards, that we're going to make that first down. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So he just made it worse. He just went out there and, first of all, didn't take any kind of – any kind of – um responsibility he yeah he plays like blame on everybody except him own up to it like they he just takes no like no blame for it like it was oh Dak you know could have done this Zeke had this kind of performance but nothing to say about his coaching that went out there well it was Kellen calling the plays right and I feel like you know universally and universally in sports you know when a team loses a tough game you know, the, the head coach will come out and say, you know, this one's on me. You know, I was out coached. I didn't do this right. I didn't call a timeout. You know, I made that poor play call, whatever it is. Accountability. Accountability. Garrett, Garrett knows that seat is hot. You know, he's, he's, that, he's that gif of Childish Gambino, of Donald Glover walking in the room with the pizza and the apartments on there. <laughs> he's, I mean, it's just. First of all, I mean, there was a Tavon Austin, you know, fair catch on the punt where Tavon said that, you know, they told him. Oh, Lord. They told Which is a that, whole different conversation. They told me to fair catch it. And then Garrett's like, oh, you know, there's some mis- miscommunication. Like, um, what? <laughs> no. He even botched the explanation of that, though, because, okay, so on the morning radio show, he says, you know, we communicated that with him. Uh, we just want to make sure you get north and south in that situation. It's a tricky situation. And then he goes back in his, uh, you know, afternoon press conference on Monday and it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe we didn't communicate that, you know, well enough in that situation. It's like, which one is it? You You have to stick on one side of the fence. There's no reason for miscommunication to be that poor, that bad at home. Like, you had all of your advantages, too. Your players are comfortable. This is where they play. This is where they grow. And you have that kind of, quote, unquote, miscommunication. First of all, that's not acceptable, even if it were true. Second of all, you're lying. So it's just worse. Yeah, and I think... Oh, go ahead. That that freeze frame of of the punt. I mean, Tavon had an easy 15 to 20 yards up the left side. Clearly, man. It's... Yeah, and so when you have, I mean, obviously Minnesota. When you line up, you see Minnesota's and Max protect. At that point, as a head coach, you have no other responsibility. You need to be keen in on that. Okay, so even if you communicated that with Tavon, like, hey, fair catch this no matter what. 
you need to see that max protection that Minnesota lined up in, and you need to be having hand signals. Hey, they're in max protect. They're not going to be able to get down in the field as quick. That I need the the fair catch is off. That that's your job as a head coach. You oversee all of that. That is your job. And if you're not doing that, what are you doing on the 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 sideline? You have no business being there. And with I mean with Tavon Austin, that's what he's on the roster for. Like there's no other reason for him to be on the roster other than returns and And the occasional end around. Yeah, and the end arounds. I mean you should you should trust a guy like I mean you should trust all your players, but you should trust a guy who's been in that situation before, you know, to make the right choice. Um, you know, on top of that we go down to the like we said, that that second and third down run, you know, Garrett said after the game that, you know, Kellen Moore calls the plays. He was pretty, you know, he made it clear that Kellen calls the plays. It's not Garrett. And, you know, he said that he also kind of threw Dak under the bus and saying that Dak had the option on the run on the RBO. It's just. And it, and it completely switched up from what he's been saying the entire year. Because when the offense has been successful, it's been. You know, it's a collective effort. You know, we sit down uh, throughout the week and develop this game plan. Uh, but when this happens, you know, second and third down runs happen, and if they're not successful after you continue running the ball the entire night, it's like, oh, no, I'm getting my hands off of this steering wheel. It's all Kellen. He's the one calling the plays. You can't be a head coach like that. You, As a head coach, like we talked about earlier, you have to have accountability, and Garrett just lacks that. And he has no plan going into the game. It's just, I mean, even with the 57-yard field goal attempt to begin the game, just going to that point as well, I thought that that was important too because later, in the, pretty much in the same situation, he decided to punt. It was a 57-yard field goal versus a 58-yard field goal. And I like what Jeff Kavanaugh said. You have to have a plan. Either you're going to go for it both times, whether it's 57 or 58 yards, or you need to go for it on, um, you know, fourth and I think it was like fourth and less than five. You have to have a plan going into that. You can't just be re, uh, results based and be like, oh, well, he missed this one, so we definitely can't do this again. Either stick with it or stick with your plan. Just have a plan and stick with it. I guess is what my point is here. But it's just, I mean, he just he's not a he's not a head coach. It's just this keeps happening over and over and over, and it's exhausting. I can't remember a game where it was this painfully obvious that the Dallas Cowboys were out coached and, you know, whether that falls on Jason, whether that falls on Kellen, it was just awful coaching. And it was so painfully obvious literally from the beginning of the game. And yeah, it was a statement game for the Cowboys kind of, you know, to vibe them out, see how the rest of the the season will go for them. But unknowingly it became a statement game for Dak and you know kind of like Corey and to to your point Michael like it was just why did why did you take the why did you take the ball out of your best player's hands he was killing them all night converting on third downs like nobody's business he was doing excellent and it it just didn't make sense at the end of the night any way that you look at it it, we just got out coached you know this is another this was another one of those games where you know, it's got to sting even more for Jerry, knowing that you know across the field is a, is a is a former Cowboy is Mike Zimmer. Just like with the Saints yeah. and Sean Payton, it's a guy that, you know, it's a guy that got away, and it's a guy that 
is a much better coach than who you currently have in Garrett. And I like something that, that uh, Kevin Turner, KT, said on, uh, on About Them Cowboys on the Athletics podcast. He said, there are eight-year-olds playing Madden who know how to manage a game better than Garrett. And it's true. I play Madden. Yeah. There's some damn good little kids playing Madden out there. And Garrett, he just he just fumbled the bag. And, you know, I mean, I said it last week that I thought that the Lions game would be more of a, you know, a judgment game for Garrett and the mm-hmm. Cowboys. I mean, it's after this week, man, it's it's do or die, I feel like. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the grand scheme of things, the Cowboys have what, like a, you know, one of the top three rosters in the league? Top three, top five, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, when you have, you know, from guy number one to guy number 53 on the roster that's, you know, stacked like that, and you pair it up with a coach like Garrett who, you know, makes these type of mistakes and isn't accountable, you know, year after year, it makes you wonder – you know, when is Jerry and Steven going to step up and make the right call? Because, you know, Jerry's all, you know, always said that, you know, he wants a Super Bowl before he's, before he, you know, passes on. It's not going to happen with this guy. Completely agree. And I think just one thing, just speaking to, I mean, just, I mean, I think for me, Dak's night is almost more impressive than anything I've seen from him just because the way he was set up to fail the entire night. They ran the ball on first down 16 times for a total of 39 yards. And you might think, okay, it's first down. Okay, so you step two other downs. But when you're consistently in second and 11, second and 13, third and 12, third and seven plus, and you consistently put your quarterback in that situation – more times than not, you're not even going to be in a game at that point because you're, your quarterback's not going to be able to do that. So for Dak to have that impressive of a performance after being set up over and over and over by his coaches to fail, I mean, that is just impressive on Dak's part. And, you know, I haven't been the biggest Dak believer throughout this entire process of how much money he should get and, you know, all that kind of thing. He's reached a territory for me where it's Tony Romo territory where he is having to overcome some terrible coaching on a week-to-week basis. And if this man wants $40 give this man $40 if he's going to have to sit with this coach for the next four or five or six years, however long he signs for. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was definitely a statement game that I don't think any of us really saw coming. And we talked about it last week. We talked about how this this game on both sides was going to be very, you know— based on the run game for both teams and it's crazy because we're running a podcast here we're not even coaching the Dallas Cowboys and we can see that but they went out there and they tried to force it it didn't work so Dak had to carry that team on his back and I I didn't see it coming I didn't see it coming but it was phenomenal and it was it was a great to see that just just considering how this team has always been so reliant and revolving around the run game and dependent on the offensive line, like just kind of seeing that come into fruition with Dak was very, yeah, like, like Corey said, it was very Romo-esque. 
And I think that if that coaching, if this coaching situation unfolds in the way that it has been going these past few weeks, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. He's, did he go up to, I think, number two, number two in passing yards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just, yeah. it was, it, he stepped up. He's stepping up to be the quarterback that we're all needing him to be, but at an expense. And that's in a coaching expense. Yeah, you just can't be held back at this point. Right. And you can't be as stubborn as, as Garrett was down the stretch. It's It was clear the entire game that, that the Vikings run defense just had the best of, of Zeke. And, you know, when you're in a, you know, do or die situation like that in the red zone and you see how Dak has performed one of the best games of his career, and you see how Zeke has performed, you know, probably one of the worst, you know, that he's performed or games that he's had in his career, you've got to put the ball in Dak's hands. And like I said earlier, Cooper performed, Gallup performed, Cobb performed, you know, when the game's on the line, you know Dak can count on on Witten to get it done. It's just it was poor play calling. Whether it was Garrett, whether it was Kellen, you know, did Dak have that option to to switch out to a pass? I don't know, but I don't know, man. You just you have to call a better game like that down the stretch. And then uh, when he did his uh, Jason Garrett did his weekly hit on the radio on Monday. And it was like, um, you know, they were asking him, hey, um, you know, did you think you ran the ball on first down too much? And, you know, just kind of kind of get trying to get his thoughts on the way the the run pass balance was. And he's like, well, you, got, you know, we uh, threw the ball 46 or 47 times. And, um, you know, that's you know, that's more than enough. Like, no, in that situation, in that game, 46 time was not enough. You did not win the game. In that situation, Dak should have 50, 55 passes because that's what's working. You don't just sit here and keep ramming your head into a wall. If you're not, if your head's not going through the wall, why, why are you consistently banging your head against it? It makes no sense. And I don't think Dak only had 46 throws in that arm on that night. He probably had 51, and that's what we needed to win that game. And it's just... Another reason why Garrett is just not the guy. He just he he believes in the old school football. We're gonna line up and we're gonna do what we do regardless of what you're stopping. We're just gonna keep we're just keep at it. We're gonna we're gonna pound that football. No, this is 2019. You can't do that. You need to be able to adjust on the fly during the game. It, he has showed no progress in that over his head coaching career. You know, on top and of was... that. Um... Mm-hmm. I mean, on Kellen's part, they have to get more creative and, you know, expand the playbook on first down. It's a run to Zeke 98% of the time. Like, they have to switch it up. It's, you know, it, it gets to the point where the, where the defense knows where you're going. They know what you're doing. They know that 21 is going to get the ball. And, you know, it's evident on, you know, on Sunday that, the Vikings knew what was going down, and they stopped Zeke in his tracks, you know, almost every time. Yeah, I think one quote to speak to that was um, from a Minnesota defender. Uh, John Mashota had this on Twitter, and it was uh, a Vikings DN, and he was asked if they were surprised to see the Cowboys run on third down late. And he said, no, we knew our film. 
we knew on film that even in two-minute drills, they do run the ball. They want to catch you slipping. Even if they don't have ideal personnel, be ready for that. So I think that just speaks to the predictability that you are sticking so far to, or so close to the script as far as what teams are seeing on film that nothing you're doing is surprising them. Yeah, and that speaks to you know what we talked about earlier in the year when um, what was it was it was it the Saints who said that they looked at uh, film from Kellen yeah, Moore at Boise State? Film. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right. And you know they saw the same tendencies and and stuff like that. So you know Kellen definitely needs to switch it up too. Um, you know, but as you know, as the head of the snake, you know Garrett has to be better. He has to be accountable. You know, this isn't all on Kellen or Dak or Zeke or whoever else, you know, he has to step up and take his licks too. Yeah. It's just like, it's almost like Garrett's just watching the game. You know, it's almost like he forgets he has the headset on his head as he's standing there on the sideline. He just thinks he's watching the game like us on television. Just like, Oh, this is a nice show. Um, This is a pretty good seat. I'm sitting over here or standing over here with, and it's just, he's not over there coaching. He's just, like I said, he's just a spectator over there. Now, looking forward, you know, obviously we have the Lions this week. Um, it's un- it's undetermined if if Stafford's going to play. If not, it'll be, looks like it'll be Jeff Driscoll, um, like it was this past week. And, you know, I mean, Jerry's Jerry's made the call before when he fired Wade Phillips in the middle of the season. But I don't really think that's in the cards, you know, nope. as, as bad as Cowboys fans might want, Mm-mm. you know, Garrett gone. You know, the Cowboys are still, you know, fighting for the division. And the division is, you know, that much more important with how deep the NFC is right now. Because if the playoffs started today, the Cowboys would, would be atop of the division. But... If they fell behind the Eagles, they're like two games back of the wild card. So that, so winning the division is, it's pretty much do or die right now when it comes to the, the Cowboys' playoff chances. Yeah, and I think uh, that's another reason why going into Sunday, I almost it was as close to as must win as you can get. Um, you know, this early in the season. Um, especially when you look at the upcoming schedule for both the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cowboys, that you just see you just see more wins on Philadelphia's schedule than you see Cowboys, especially when they with the inconsistent performances they have. Um, so yeah, that game that lose. I mean, now you have losses to the Saints, you have losses to the Pat, you have a loss to the Packers. Now you have a loss to Minnesota. All that I can, you know, I just want to mention. All three of those teams are missing key pieces in the game against the Cowboys. The Saints without Breeze, Packers without Devontae Adams, Vikings without Adam Thielen. I mean, these are all losses that the Cowboys have on their schedule, and it's it's, it's unacceptable. Yeah, I don't know. I think I had the – I definitely had the Cowboys winning against the Vikings. And I, I would say looking forward that if – it's definitely a do-or-die. Like this next game, if we lose against the Lions, whether Matthew Stafford is on the field or not, it's just going to be bad. It, I mean, it, it's sorry, it's already bad as it is, but going in there and taking an L, it's just 
it's over. I, I, I don't see the Cowboys coming back back from that if we take an L on that. But I don't know. I don't even like I am still slightly confident that the Cowboys can, can go up there and just like shut everybody back up. But I don't know. I thought the same against the Jets. So here we are. And I will say this is that I think this is as close to Garrett losing the locker room as it's going to get. Um, so while I don't think he's going to be fired, um, you know, even if they lose this game, I think the locker room will start turning to where it's just going to make it more likely that he's gone after the season. Um, because just some of the quotes that are coming out of the locker room with the whole Tavon Austin thing, how some of the teammates aren't happy that, um, you know, he's kind of being hung out to dry. Um, I don't think that's going to sit well. And then if you follow that up, you know, with another loss and you're five and five and, you know, you're still, I mean, you're at that point, you're, you're, you're in trouble with five losses. So I think this is as close to Garrett um, losing the locker room as he's gotten in his tenure. And, you know, with Dak being such a stand-up guy, especially, you know, during those conferences, he's always been one to take the blame. You know, if a a game goes bad, his performance is bad, he always takes full accountability for it. Never once has he sort of hinted at, you know, the coaching. He always kind of accepts it and puts that upon himself. But I think definitely that locker room is talking. And especially with that Tavon Austin deal, like, they're they're not dumb. Like, they're noticing those things. I think sooner or later, that team is going to turn on Jason Garrett, and we're going to it's going to be real obvious, and it's going to be bad. But do I think that Jerry Jones is going to go ahead and pull the plug midseason? No. It'd be nice, but I don't see it happening. You know, I will say three things. Um, whether it was, you know, Tavon's fault or Dak's fault, Kellen's fault, whatever – Garrett has to fall on the sword with with the media and with the public. He has to say, my bad, my fault, you know, my play call. You know, I told Tavon to to uh, to fair catch it, whatever. Behind the scenes, sure, he can get on to Tavon and tell him that he should have taken it. He, he, he can tell Dak behind the scenes, like, hey, like, you need to make that switch to, you know, to a pass in the RPO, whatever. But, you know, in the limelight, you know, in front of the media, in front of the public, he's got to fall on the sword. And, you know, with Dak, I mean, he played his ass off. And, you know, that type of performance should have, you know, won a football game. And it's a shame that, you know, he caught an L because of, you know, other people's play calls, other people's mistakes. Um, and then you look at the Eagles. I mean, they're both, they're, they're what, tied now? Yeah, both five and four. Five and four in the division, and the Eagles are coming off a bye week. They're re-energized. They were sitting at home Sunday night, like ecstatic that the Cowboys blew that game. And you know, I, I guess playing devil's advocate about you know Jerry letting Garrett go in the middle of the season. You know, I think it would bring it would light a fire under the Cowboys' ass just because I feel like Chris Richard would be the guy to step in as the interim and Chris Richard, he doesn't play no games. I can see that. You know, Kellen's not ready to do that. Rod Marinelli. I just don't think, I just don't think it's his, it's past his time. Richard would be primed and ready to step in 
and let these dudes know that, you know, they're fighting for their lives. And, you know, I think it might be good for them. Just like, I mean, completely different, like, level, but it's like in basketball when when a team is getting their ass whooped and the coach gets ejected on purpose. You know what I mean? It's like it kind of lights that fire under their ass. Mm-hmm. Chris Richard would definitely do that for this Cowboys team because, you know, damn well Garrett's not doing it. And uh, will that happen? Probably not. But, you know, it's just something to think about. Um, it would be interesting right. for sure. But um, I guess looking forward, you know, if, you know, playing the Lions this week, probably with Jeff Driscoll, it's got to be a win, right? Yeah, you would think, right? Right. I would think so. Um, however, I will say something that's going to be very important um, in that game is from a defensive perspective. Um, the Lions have some receivers that can get down the field with Kenny Galladay and uh, Marvin Jones Jr., um, the young tight end, Hawkinson. He can make some plays. Um, and I think teams have gotten to the point where they've watched film on Chidobe and Wuzier. And whenever they need a big play, they are lining who they want to get the ball over Cheeto, and they are going at it. And until Cheeto can show that he can make plays consistently, teams are going to keep trying to export that matchup. And I think that's going to be critical. And um, and if they don't get that, if they don't get those receivers stopped, it, it can very easily be an L because the Lions they pose a pretty good defense out there with a defensive line that can get after it. And right now with the offensive line banged up and not playing as well, um, it's a dangerous game, honestly. I'm I'm very, very nervous um, as, for the result of that game. I mean, if, if Stafford plays and Stafford's at, you know, 80%, the Cowboys, they're going to have to get after him and put him in the grass for them, for them to come away to win. Because – the chemistry that the Stafford has with with Galladay and Marvin Jones, it's it's for real, mm-hmm. and those guys make plays and big plays, big plays, and I don't I don't think that Byron Jones can handle Galladay, and I don't think Cheeto can handle Marvin Jones because Cheeto doesn't know how to, he just doesn't he know can't. how to, he does, he can't find the ball, he can't he can't like you saw the play last night with. Uh, was she, was it Shaquille Griffin? Yes. That. Oh my God! There's no way. That Cheeto couldn't dream of making that play. Yeah, that's that's. It was beautiful. It was textbook. And the first thing I thought of was like, man, if the Cowboys had to do like this, because, you know, on the outside, because because Cheeto's not making that play. It's it's gonna be tough. I mean, the run game's not there for the Lions. Um. So if, if Driscoll's out there, who led the Lions in, in rushing last week, um, you know I think the Cowboys get back on track because they have to, um, right. especially going after this loss to the Vikings, and then especially heading into Foxborough against the Pats next week. Because that's, I mean, that's as close that's to an sure L. Is an L you can, yeah, exactly. All right, and now it's time for some Mavs talk. Um, kind of a, a a rocky week for the Mavs. Um, you know, they just came off that loss against against the Celtics um, last night. It was ugly, man. It was it was Luca and 
Luca by himself pretty much. Um, you know, KP was one of eleven from from the field. He looked all out of sorts. Um, they were switching smaller defenders on him, like Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, who just got under him and really frustrated him. Like I said, one for eleven, uh, five fouls, just an ugly loss. Um, and for, and and they were and the Mavs are still in it too with with Tatum shooting one for eighteen, which that's incredible. Um, and then I mean they they beat the Grizzlies uh, on Saturday. And that ugly, ugly loss against the Knicks last week. It's it's been rocky, you know. KP's been off. Uh, he played well against the Knicks, but just overall, you know, going into you know his return to Madison Square Garden on Thursday. I mean, he's prepared for it, but he's he's gonna feel emotions that he's probably never felt before. You know, the team that drafted him and brought him into the league brought him, you know, over you know, over the water to America, they're going to boo him like he's never been booed before. Every time he gets the Every ball. Every time he touches the ball. And there's no place like New York. If, you know, if you're no longer a Nick, you're dead to them unless you're, you know, a Knicks legend. And, you know, he was not that. And... You know, coming off of one of eleven shooting, he's got to find his rhythm. You know, I kind of put this, put some of this on Carlisle and the team to to find him better shots. You know, it feels like a lot of the time, KP's catching the ball, you know, thirty feet from the basket, and he's just putting it up. He's yeah. catching it in the mid range, yeah. which I know Carlisle's kind of Carlisle and the coaching staff are trying to get KP to not shoot as many long twos. Um, and it just feel like he's forcing shots. You know, I don't know if it's I don't know if it has to do with obviously Luca's the the main man in the offense. You know, he's gonna have the ball in his hands the majority of the time. So I don't know if when KP gets the ball, he feels like he's got to put something up because if he doesn't, the ball is gonna go back to Luca and and Luca's gonna do his thing. But and obviously we're nine games in, um, but we gotta we gotta work on getting KP better shots and gotta. Get, get better at, you know, just spacing the floor and him knowing where to get his shots and, and where to move to because he's doing a lot of standing around on the outside watching watching Luca and the others uh, with the ball. Yeah, and I think that's the number one thing that stood out to me from KP that I've seen so far is that um, it's easy when you have a guy like Luca and he's, you know, dribbling so much and, you know, trying to set up his teammates and get to the basket – it's easy to stand around and watch those type of guys. So I feel like once they, the defender helps on Luca, instead of when Luca kicks the ball out to KP, I feel like instead of trying to put the ball on the ground or on the floor and trying to you know get closer, he's just settling for just, okay, well, I have a little bit of space here, so I'm just going to jack this up. I call those Tim Hardaway shots because anytime Tim Hardaway gets the ball in that situation, he's doing the same thing. Hmm, um, so I, I definitely think that um, getting him closer to the basket to start up, or at least to start the game, um, see the bas- see the ball go in the basket a couple of times to begin the game, I think that can go a long way into helping um, kind of right the ship with him. Um, and then just going into tomorrow's game, or uh, Thursday night's game, I think it's going to be very important 
to for him to control his emotions. Like you said, he's going to be feeling some type of way going back to New York. He's going to get booed. Um, you know, New York fans, they're going to be heckling him the entire game. Um, so it's going to be important for him to stay within himself and, you know, not get overly emotional and just play his game. And then at the end of the day, just as, as a team, they need a win against New York after that bad loss at home on Friday night. Um, and then, of course, last night, the you know, seeing the Kimball Walker show, um, you know, it's, it, the Mavs need a bounce back win. And he needs a bounce back performance. It's going to be tough um, just because of all the things I mentioned. But um, I think it, getting him a couple early shots, um, good looks will go a long way into him having a, a bounce back game. You know, and even though even though the Knicks are, you know, one of the worst teams in the league, they beat us at home on Friday. And, you know, on top of KP being back in New York, you know, playing in Madison Square Garden with all those Knicks fans, you know, yelling and booing. And as bad as the Knicks are, they've got they've got some bullies on their team. You know, they've got mm-hmm. Marcus Morris and Bobby Portis and, you know, veteran guys like Julius Randle and Taj Gibson who aren't going to let KP just go off. And, you know, I mean, Marcus Morris and Julius Randle talked about talked a lot about, you know, before the season that, you know, they're not just going to roll over and, and die for teams. Like they're going to, you know, this is, you know, they're trying to bring that, that tough bully ball feeling back to New York. And, you know, they're not just going to let KP do what he wants. Um, I know Luca talked last night that, you know, he thinks that KP will bounce back. Um, I think Luca said that he, he definitely thinks that KP will score 30 points next game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure the Knicks saw that. Um, even though I think I think he had 28 or 28 points yeah, against 28. the against the Knicks at, at home on Friday. Um, you know, I think outside of KP just kind of finding his groove and um, you know getting used to playing with Luca and in a new offense. I think the the number one thing for the Mavs is they need to find a set rotation. You know, yeah, nine games they've had they've had seven different starting lineups. I mean that's that's the type of numbers that you hear about when like when teams are going through a lot of injuries. Yeah, the end of the season through, when you're tanking right, like, stuff. Like if you said what team in the league has had seven starting lineups in nine games, I'd say, Oh, the Warriors, for sure. Half their team's injured. But I mean, I know Rick's just trying to find that that right you know, rotation, that right system for guys. Um, but every every guy on the team has started, I think, except Tim Hardaway. and Or every guy that's, like, in the rotation, I think it's Tim Hardaway and, um, God, and somebody else. Was it Brunson? Is it, has Brunson started? No, I, think, I, I guess think, he has started again. I think he yeah. has. But, man, I just think that, you know, guys – go into the game not knowing if they're going to start, if they're coming on the bench, you know, what type of minutes they're going to play, you know, because you got guys like Seth Curry and, and Brunson who, you know, last night they could have played 25 minutes. On Thursday, they could play like six minutes. It's just, it needs to be a balance there. You know, obviously you're going to have Luka I- and KP in the starting lineup. Um. You know, I like Dodo in there as a as a wing defender, as a as a good rebounder from the wing. I like Kleba as a starter. 
Uh, Dwight has been really underwhelming to start the season. Yeah, he's been underperforming. Um, you could argue Kleba has been our second best player um, just overall. And then I still like DeLon Wright as a starter just because of the defense he brings. He's an underrated playmaker. Rebounding. Yeah, he can do it all. Um, and then you got guys like Seth and Tim, Justin Jackson off the bench who can who can fill it up. Um, but I think just for a lot of these guys, it's a lot of uncertainty. You know, of course they're going to buy in. You know, they're a team, they're a family. But, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are, you know, they want to play. They want to get their minutes. They're humans. They're, yeah, human. they're humans and they need – and, you know, we're creatures of habit. So um, I think just speaking to the rotation, uh, just one just sticks out to me, and it's regarding Seth Curry um, and how inconsistent his minutes have been. Um, and there's, I guess, two examples, or I guess one example, one primary example against the Lakers where he plays the first six minutes of the game in the first quarter right. and then uh, comes back out. And he doesn't come back out into the game until he's, it's time to shoot free throws late. He misses both. And, you know, as good of a shooter he as he is, he probably shouldn't miss both free throws. But I almost can't blame him just because, I mean, you can't sit on the bench the entire, pretty much the entire game and then expect him to bring him in cold and just for him just, you know, go out there as business as usual. Um, so I definitely think getting a set rotation and just so guys know when they're going to come in. Because then, you know, when Dirk was playing, you knew he was coming out in the six-minute mark in the first quarter, and he would come back in right before the end of the first quarter. Um, you know that was set. So I think Carlisle, hopefully, in these next you know five to ten games, um, you know people, these guys can start getting some continuity, playing together, knowing when they're going to come in. Um, and I think that would just make them a better team. And I think it honestly makes them better defensively um, because you know kind of where guys are, who you're playing with. You know, maybe what they don't do well, what they have challenges with. And I think it just helps overall to me um, to know what you're getting yourself into. And then you have the occasional J.J. Barea game where, you know, you need a spark and you bring him in and, you know, he lights it up or something like that. But you can't do that every game, I don't think, and sustain um, success. Yeah, I mean, like you said about Dirk and the six-minute mark, you know, they've been doing that with, with KP, um, bringing him out the six-minute mark, bringing him back at the end of the, second, or at the, end of the first quarter. Um, and Rick Carlisle was actually on Zach Lowe's podcast today on ESPN. And he talked about – and Zach asked the question if if Carlisle, you know, hopes to find a, starting li- a set starting lineup or plans to, which has been asked by, you know, the media in Dallas probably the last three games. Um and Rick said that he would love to. It's just about, you know, kind of ex- continuing to experiment and finding that right, you know, five guys who uh, who gel the best. And then, you know, I feel like with the bench unit, we have enough guys. You know, we have one of the deepest teams in the league that I don't feel like it'll mess with the chemistry a lot. Um, you know, Carlisle said that he feels like DeLon is, has been more comfortable uh, playing with the bench guys, um, you know, same thing with with Hardaway coming off the bench. Um, you know, I just, I just think at the end of the day, you know, the coach needs to put together, you know, a set lineup. Um, I think it's best for the team. It's best for the 
the chemistry overall. Guys know, you know, who they're going to be playing with, you know, who they're going to be passing the ball to. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll see Thursday night who goes out there with, with KP and Luka in the starting lineup. And, and hopefully, you know, KP can show out and, and you know, toss some trash right back to those Knicks fans. Yeah, and then leave with a W, which is, you know, the most important thing. I know, um, you know, we've seen some quotes from KP over the last, I guess, week to 10 days or so, and just about how he's becoming kind of frustrated with how he's playing. And, you know, he's saying, you know, good thing we're 6-4 and four right now. And, you know, just imagine when I start playing better. Right. Um, so hopefully in, over this next 10 to 15 games, he starts to become more comfortable. Um, and then, you know, they can't, he can't kick it up a notch to where he's playing more consistently. Cause I feel like it's been like either really good or it's been really poor, um, so far, which I mean, it's expected, you know, from a guy that hasn't played NBA basketball in 20 months, although he's been healthy in that time period playing it, the NBA game is, I mean, it's, it's different than just, you know, playing mm-hmm. pickup games, practicing and things of that nature. So I think, uh, the more game reps he gets, uh, the more comfortable he should feel. Yeah, and I know, you know, NBA Twitter's in a frenzy talking about, you know, all the negatives, um, the negative metrics for the Mavs with KP on the court, uh, and then how how good they are with, with KP on the bench, you know, specifically Luka on uh, the offense. But, I mean, it's like we've said, it's, we've played nine games. You know, it's nothing to panic about. It's nothing really to worry about right now. If that continues... If his shooting continues to, you know, to be inconsistent and those metrics, those negative metrics, you know, continue to stay there with him on the court, then, you know, questions can be asked and rotations can be changed. Um, yeah, looking forward, looking forward to Thursday, looking forward to seeing KP out there um, back in Madison Square Garden, back in front of Spike Lee and all the Knicks fans, all the Boo Birds and you know, and hopefully get a get another Mavs win and get ready for Toronto on, on Saturday back in Dallas. But that's it for today. You can find us at Credential Pod on Twitter. You can find me at The Mulf on Twitter. You can find me at InstaMulf on Instagram. Corey, Selena, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cell6Toes. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Mr. Douglas with two S's. Two S's. Don't forget that. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. Peace out. Deuces.